Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a focused and fun life. Today's guest, Chris Bailey, talks to us about focus and about the two kinds of focus that can help us in a world that seems built to distract us, built to keep us fiddling with our devices, our phones, our tablets, our screens, built to keep us from being productive, from being focused, and from doing our best work and having our highest impact. I can't tell you how many people I work with at Wellstart who are addicted to their screens in a way that gets in the way of movement that gets in the way of their making the right food choices that keeps them up late at night. So they're always chronically tired and chronically in need of a sugar hit or a caffeine hit too tired to exercise. And it's because of the pull of these screens. And Chris Bailey offers us ways out. He offers us strategies. He offers us a way of looking at technology and a way of looking at focus and attention itself that can really empower us after Reading his book, Hyperfocus, and doing this interview, I have shifted how I work in some significant and profound ways, and I'm much happier for it. So I wanted to get Chris on the show after hearing him on the Bregman Leadership Podcast, put out by my friend Peter Bregman. And we had a wonderful time, Chris and I. We video it, so you can see it on YouTube and also at plantyourself.com slash 301, today's episode. And Chris is not only smart and generous and kind, he's also funny as hell and charming. And we got a little bit goofy. So if you like that sort of thing, this is going to be a fun podcast for you. Before we get into it, two quick announcements. One is Well Start Health is starting a new cohort beginning of January. So if you would like to participate in that to make 2019 your year to lose the extra weight, to reverse chronic disease, to get fit, to become the person you say you want to be, we can help. It's a 12-week program with the continued follow-up. We have text messaging. We have live coaching calls with me and Josh and our other coaches. And check us out, wellstarthealth.com. You can go to wellstarthealth.com slash program to read all about it. And if you're interested, you can just click the apply button at the bottom. We'd love to have you in this first cohort of 2019. Second thing, the book that Josh Lajani and I wrote, Sick to Fit, is now available on Amazon, both as a Kindle ebook and a paperback. If you order it today and choose one day shipping, you can get it in time for Christmas. So why not buy 30? 
seriously, thanks to everyone who helped make this a Kindle bestseller. I think at this point we're number one in weight loss and fitness and weight management. And we're so grateful to everyone who has supported uh, the effort so far. If you want to read it for free, it's for free on Amazon Kindle. Just go. All you need is a, a tablet or a smartphone or a computer or a Kindle itself, and you can go grab the book. It's entirely free. We also have a support group on Facebook uh, and lots of reader bonuses. If you want the paperback, that costs money. And Josh is coming out here starting tomorrow, and we're going to be recording the audiobook. So that should be out probably in three to four weeks. So don't wait for that one. But uh, pick up the Kindle and let us know what you think. If you have read the book and you'd like to leave a review on Amazon, that would help us immeasurably, tremendously, hugely. All it takes is just giving us some stars and a sentence or two, take you a couple of minutes, and it would really, really help out. Okay, now that I've told you about a book that you can read on your Kindle or your smartphone or your tablet, let's talk about focus and how to not let those devices get in the way of us living our best lives. Without further ado. All right, Chris Bailey, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Good day to you, sir. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. We've been we've been sort of chatting and bantering before we hit record. I think we're on a uh, on a roll already. We're on a good vibe wagon right now, my friend. I had a nice massage today. I did 30 minutes of meditation before. So if it sounds like um, I'm pretty relaxed right now, it's not because cannabis was just legalized in Canada. It's it's because I'm having like a zen, relaxing day today. How's your day going, man? Well, it just got worse hearing that you got a massage. Oh, because now I'm comparing. I, I found a masseuse that goes over in time every single time, and so you book like 45 minutes, and you get a one-hour massage. You book a one-hour, as I did today. I got a one-hour and 20-minute massage. She gets so like involved and really into it. Her name is Elizabeth Howes. If you live in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, which the odds. Are honestly not very good of, but well, maybe there's that one person that wants to seek her out or drive to see her. She's amazing. Yeah, or a thousand people who are like, I'm moving to Kingston for a for a massage therapist who can't tell time. Yeah, so so far this episode has been like a like a promotion for Canada, which is honestly is looking better and better right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I'm so happy the internet is getting through the border without any problem here. Well, usually the border's iced over, but uh, you know, at this time of the year. But I think so far, so, no, so far so good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. Well, I you know I'll go up to Toronto every year or so. Is my uh, my martial arts grand teacher is in uh, is Ooh. in Toronto. So that's the you know, oh, that's cool ground zero for getting punched in the face. Yeah, really. <laughs> that's what that's what they say. What What's your favorite place that you've ever been to in Canada? Do you have uh, one? Well, I, I mean, I've got to say Banff, but I really liked oh, um, oh. I really liked Alma. I've never heard of Alma. That's uh, in um, New Brunswick. Oh, out east is gorgeous in Canada. If you're looking for a nice getaway and and you may maybe you want to go to Europe or something and you don't want to break the bank, fly to Halifax, which has an international airport, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, and it, it's stunning. It's, it's so don't go in the winter because that's a terrible mistake to go anywhere north in the winter unless you you like that kind of stuff. Um, but Halifax is stunning. So I'd imagine Alma was similar. Yeah, there was like um, you could walk out, you know, like a mile and a half in low tide that was then ocean or bay, whatever it was. 
Yeah. And then, of course, there's the whole Anne of Green Gables vibe. Yeah. Prince Edward yeah. Island. So, yeah. But that's, but, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I think we got distracted. <laughs> that is what we're here to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, just, we're just lobbing each other softballs. Yeah. Um, so you, you wrote a book. You wrote two books. A couple uh, of them. Um, but the recent one, I heard you interviewed by my buddy Peter Bregman, and it was a really, really useful podcast for me. So we got in touch. Most of his are useless, you know. So, so I'm happy. To, no, I'm just kidding, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's like you know leadership, and you know here here I am like leading myself, and so uh, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, this is this is you know this goes under the category of how can I suck less, and. Mm-hmm. And yeah. ultimately, that's that's what we're all trying to do. We're all <laughs> sucking pretty, you know, not, no, we're, we're doing OK. And this is honestly something that I think uh, a lot of people come to productivity thinking is, oh, I'm so unproductive or I'm so distracted. I'm so overwhelmed. But, it, you know, most people are like that. And, and we're so hard on ourselves um, because the very idea that we want to invest in our productivity implies on some level that we're not entirely satisfied with what we're doing already, what we're already accomplishing, the the lives we're already living, the jobs we're already working. And, and so I think, you know, it's striking that balance. So we need to become more focused. That, that's why I wrote a book on focus, because I found myself distracted when I was trying to work. So I thought, you know, if, if I'm as somebody who's really into productivity distracted, maybe other people are too. Maybe there's a part of the picture I'm missing here. But I think there is that dance that we need to do with ourselves um, and to, to lead ourselves to be kind to ourselves as we invest in our productivity. So well, do both at the same time. Well, that's a beautiful framing because, you know, I work with people who want to improve their health. They want to eat better. They want to start moving. And boy, if you think, you know, me looking around my office and seeing piles of crap on the floor is, you know, emotionally troubling, you know, think about people with 200 pounds to lose. Yeah. Right. So, so starting from a place of I suck and I want to compare myself to other people who are doing it well is probably yeah. a recipe for blowback in just about any field. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, there, there was a point when I was 50 or 60 pounds heavier than I am right now. And, it, you know, the folks looking at the video are probably thinking, like, first of all, why does he have that big microphone in front of his face? But second of all, wow, this guy is so fit. He's so handsome. He's so good looking. He, no, I'm just kidding. But, 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 you know, I'm about 50 or 60 pounds lighter than I used to be. And a, a big shift that took place before that happened, first of all, it was being introduced to mindfulness and, and those uh, practices that are adjacent to it. But second of all, it, it was very much that mindset shift of being kind to myself as, as I became healthier. Um, you know, one big thing that shifted in my mind was realizing that through mindfulness and other things that I, I'm not fat. I have fat. And I can get rid of fat. So, so making that jump from you know, uh, be, from I'm a distracted person to I'm a person that happens to be distracted, um, or I'm a I'm somebody who's overweight to somebody who has too much weight that that he needs to shed and get rid of. Uh, I think that's it's a freeing mindset because you realize you're just a person who's I- embedded within these the the these conditions that you found yourself in. How do we get out of it? How do we get out of this distraction and and this uh, overstimulation that we face throughout the day? And so that's something that I try to preach from the rooftops, just like you. 
Right. And one of the things I love about the book is that you bring in sort of neuroscience, evolutionary theory, which, you know, when I tell people, people who think who like I am fat, there's something wrong with me. And when you look at the the evolutionary bias towards storing weight in case of famine. Right. Mm -hmm. And then then people people all of a sudden realize, oh, it's not me. I am in an environment that my brain and body are mismatched to. And yeah. so, so if you take a look, you know, you talk a lot about sort of, you know, the novelty bias and the bias mm. towards um, towards pleasure or away from, you know, towards threat. Yeah. And like, oh, our brains are, are, are wired this way. And we've just become yeah. so darn good as a society at pushing our own buttons that we need books like yours and research like yours and bully pulpits like yours to help us protect ourselves. So I see this as very much in a piece with the work that I do around diet, around movement, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is just, you know, what's the natural attainable quantity of, distra- of, of input that our brains were meant to handle in the natural world and multiply that by a zillion. And, yeah. you know, who, who among us isn't going to have a problem focusing? Yeah, oh, exactly. And, and I think this is something that not enough um, "Quote unquote experts in the productivity space do um, do is start with the science and work backwards to the way we should live and act differently because that science is validating the way that we actually are. And so, you know, I'm not one of these people who has some five, some 10-step solution to doubling your productivity. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those people. I'm one of these people who says, okay, how can we help ourselves using science? How can we, how can we accomplish more using that? And so when you realize and you start with the science and you look at the way we're wired, it's no wonder we're so distracted. We have so many – and our mind prefers to pay attention to a distraction in the moment because, you know, like you said, there's that novelty bias where within our brain's prefrontal cortex, the, the logical centers uh, of our mind, they release a hit of dopamine, a, a main pleasure chemical in our mind, each time we focus on something that's new and novel. This is the same, you know, pleasure chemical that is rewarded when we, uh, you know, eat a, a an extra large pizza in, in one sitting, like you will be happy to know I did yesterday, Howard. Um, <laughs> so I feel very uh, like a, an imposter being on this podcast. So I feel that I, that should be a disclosure. But uh, but at well, the same, I'll, I'll be making some disclosures of my own before we're done. So. Oh, this is exciting! This is like a like a confessional almost. <laughs> it, it's not a podcast; it's a pr- confessional. <laughs> <laughs> but but like when you realize that we have this novelty bias that rewards us with a hit of dopamine for each new novel thing at which we direct our attention, you realize, okay, this is an uphill battle because at any one moment, our mind is drawn, in addition to anything that's novel, uh, to anything that is pleasurable or threatening. So you think, what is pleasurable? What is novel? What is threatening? Well, something novel is our phone, which is attached at our hip throughout the day. Something pleasurable are the social media websites we visit that we naturally want to pay attention to. Something threatening, the news. You know, we're, we're bombarded by uh, information and news. And when we have so much information that we could direct our attention at in the moment, we gravitate to anything that is one of these three characteristics. We gravitate to the pleasurable, to the threatening, to the novel. 
become yourself as you in greater productivity. Um, th- this is a great way and reason to do so because we face this uphill battle. All right. So um, I'm just getting a poor network connection sign. So I think we may have to switch. We may have to switch to audio only at this point. All right. But this Let's this will, this will be a 10 minute teaser for the. It, it was nice to see you. Yeah. Well, well, we'll we'll connect again at the end. Yeah. So what do I do here? I turn off my okay. video. Oh, yeah. your beautiful face is is fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's funny you're you're uh, such good friends with Peter. Because uh, you've got, you both have really nice teeth. Like this is the nicest teeth I've ever seen. My goodness, thank you. My, yeah. my, mine were not cheap. No, <laughs> you poured a lot of money into that mouth. Maybe Peter has to it. He just doesn't want to say. Well, I, I had braces twice. I had them uh, like when I was in, ju- in junior oh. high, and then I got them again the end of high school and college. So they, you know, they oh man, so yeah, you, yeah, you've put in the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go there. So did you get most of what I just said? or? or um, let's see. You were talking about, you know, the three things. The, the You finished with the news yeah. is threatening, and then you, like, gave okay. us the answer, and that was what I missed. Okay. Um, well, let me try to give you something that you can cut in here. Okay. Um, and, and our attention naturally gravitates to anything that's novel, like, you know, the news, for for example. Um, and when we're bombarded by so many different things at which we could direct our attention at any one moment, what this means is that our mind is going to be drawn to what's novel, what's pleasurable, what's threatening. We're going to pay attention to the news uh, instead of an Excel budget sheet that we happen to be updating. Uh, we're going to pay attention to uh, our phone instead of a Word uh, document, the report that we're writing in there. We're, we're going to pay attention to uh, social media instead of something that we truly ought and want to be doing. And, and But this isn't our fault, and I, I think we need to internalize that idea. Yep, ab- absolutely. And so I, w- when we're thinking about, you know, productivity, um, you know, originally I was thinking about it just in terms of getting my work done. But as I went through the book, mm. I realized, like, the costs of being distracted are far greater. And here's here's my confessional is, you know, I, I generally eat a very, very clean diet, but it was th- mm-hmm. it was American Thanksgiving here last week and we have a, a tofurkey, which is a you know, a giant lump of something plant based yeah. with a you know a rich gravy. And it turns out that while I was on another call, I had a slice and I ate most of the gravy. And my wife came when in. When you were just, doing a podcast? No, no. Well, I was, I was, okay. I was just. I, I feel this is why you turn the video off because yeah. you you don't want me to see you like stuffing down bites of some tofurkey. <laughs> yeah, no, I try. I try not to chew loudly during the actual podcast. This was actually just a call with someone. Okay. <laughs> and so you can mute strategically. Yes, yes. Keep it. Keep the iPhone open. Mute to the top left button while I chew loudly. Yes. And I realized, like I. You know, norm, when I eat normal food, I take my time. I don't try to multitask. But here I was right before this interview with you talking about distraction and focus. And I had just like selfishly used up all the gravy and onions so that now there was this like, you know, lump of whatever soy wheat gloop with with no yumminess next to it. And, you know, that I left, yeah. that's what I left for my wife. I'm like, 
Like this, here, have this glue, honey. <laughs> like this distractedness is is more than just productivity. So I wondered if we could if we could kind yeah. of like frame the the topic of the book and why you got into it in terms of like what are the real what are the costs, especially yeah. these days, of having our attention fragmented and and having mm. its its will dictated by by externals and the and the yeah. like culture and and people with agendas. Yeah, people do have agendas. You know, they A-B test the perfect color of a notification that gets gets our attention a bit more, you know, 0.1% more than a different color. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not one of these p- people who thinks corporations are evil, but the incentives that they have are to maximize your time in the app. And so when you couple the fact that, that companies like Facebook, like Instagram, like Twitter, they make more money. For the more minutes you spend inside their app because they make more money in advertising, you realize, okay, and you couple that with machine learning and, and artificial intelligence where you know they, they can realize that everybody who likes the band ACDC likes this. You know, and so it, it gets complicated when, when all these people are, are uh, clamoring for our attention. But you know, the, one, um, the one sentence that I think summarizes the book uh, is that the state of our attention determines the state of our lives. And the quality of our attention and, and how much control we have over it is correlated with uh, many, many different variables, such as how productive we are, such as how creative we are, uh, such as how happy we are, and even how satisfied we are with our lives overall. Um, that there was one of my one of my favorite studies. It's a it's a sadder study. I'll warn you, but it's one of my favorites because of how vivid it makes this idea. This study examined two groups of people. The first group of people watched six or more hours of news coverage about the Boston Marathon bombings. I think they happened in uh, 2013, and they compared. This group of people uh, against folks who were running in the actual marathon. And, and what they found, what the team of researchers found, was that those people who watched six or more hours of news coverage about the Boston Marathon bombings were more likely to develop PTSD than somebody who was at the bombing and personally affected by it. Um, the, uh, the single biggest predictor of fear and anxiety in our lives is how much time we spend watching TV talk shows, of all things. And so I think this is um, the bigger frame that, that you mentioned, is that the state of our attention determines the state of our lives. But the more control we have over our attention, the happier become we become, the, the more meaningful our, our life becomes, because we actually notice the meaningful things that are occurring all around us and pay attention to them in the first place. And, you know, originally, uh, I've got to be honest, I set out to write a book about productivity about this topic. But I I realized very quickly that productivity is kind of a a side effect of managing our attention well. Uh, The real reason to do it is because our life improves by almost every single measure, and we feel like we're uh, have we have a greater level of control over what's happening. Yeah, in that way, it, it occurs to me that you know when we work with people who are overweight, we talk about you know their weight in the same way. Like they, what they want mm-hmm. is to you know wear the size four, 
And we encourage them to think about the weight loss as a side effect of, you know, of doing the mm. right things and, and not as the goal. And it seems like productivity is sort of, yeah. the, you know, the bonus of a life well lived. Yeah, it, it's so funny. You, you you set out to do these things, but you end up somewhere else. Yeah, you set out to lose weight, but you realize that exercise makes you feel amazing and that you're always happy that you do it and that eating less you you have more energy when you do so because you're overeating most of the time like I was doing with the uh, extra large pizza yesterday you know it's 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 these simple little epiphanies um and, and that was definitely what that's fascinating yeah and the other thing i think this probably takes us off topic but like that that boston marathon study one of the things i thought about was well the people who were in the marathon probably developed less PTSD because they were running, mm. right? Be- yeah. Because like yeah. the trauma comes from an inability to respond appropriately. So if you're just sitting in a chair mm. watching a computer and you think your brain thinks you're safe, but the deeper circuitry has you in danger and you're just sitting there, that's like, you know, a friend of mine had a PTSD from being trapped in a burning car. He couldn't get a seatbelt off. And it was the, the la- inability to respond that was the trigger as opposed to just being in a, a a horrific and dangerous situation well that's what we feel when we watch the news like like we can't respond like like we're kind of uh, and our attention is sort of held held captive by wh- whatever happens to be going on in the world and we just feel bummed out and depressed and like things are tragic and, and you know consuming social media is to a large extent the same thing um I, I stopped using twitter a while back maybe i check in once every day or two instead of multiple times every day because i realized it, it simply made me sad and, and this is something that i don't think we think enough about or or, or acknowledge um and, and check ourselves on enough frankly is okay so we're distracted quite a lot throughout the day we, we all know that most of us are are in, working in this state of overstimulation and and over distraction uh, but how do the different things that we pay attention to make us feel? You know, how does Instagram make you feel versus Facebook? Uh, how does Twitter make you feel versus watching the news? You know, which of these actually makes you happy? Um, uh, Arden and I, Arden, my fiance, we were hanging out in the living room the other day, and she was just kind of tapping around on her phone. And I said, like, baby, what, what are you doing there? You look miserable. No, no offense. No offense. But you don't look happy right now. And she said, oh, I'm on uh, Tinder. No, she wasn't on Tinder. She was on Instagram. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, Instagram is the most wholesome social media um, application that I can possibly think of. You know, it's full of nice lattes and fitness models and and these wonderful little videos where they make an entire meal and you know everything shrinks down and and you know suddenly you have this beautiful cheesecake that that came to life in like 10 seconds because you're watching BuzzFeed Tasty which is one of my favorite channels on Instagram but she was watching and consuming stuff like this and I thought out of any social media site Instagram makes me the happiness happiest by a large, large margin. Um, So what does it say that when she was looking at it, um, she felt inadequate or she felt uh, unhappy when when she was looking at all these colorful pictures? And I I think it really is the fact that we mindlessly stimulate ourselves without intent behind what we're doing. Uh, One of the most alarming statistics that I encountered in, in writing the book 
It was conducted uh, by Microsoft, who looked at at their employees and, and how they worked. And what they found was that when somebody was working in front of a computer, they focused on one thing for just 40 seconds before they switched to doing something else. And if you find that hard to believe... Maybe, look at what happens often when you first wake up. You know, maybe your phone wakes you up, and so that's your alarm. And then you uh, see that two emails came in overnight, so you check your email. Then you go to Instagram and then Facebook because you got a notification there. And then you get uh, a tweet at you. And before you know it, half an hour has gone by, and you've bounced around between a loop of applications every 40 seconds or so. And this is the way that we live our lives. And so it's no wonder that our minds are overstimulated and that we um, find it difficult to do a deeper level of work, that, that we find it difficult mm. to, to focus. It's, it's the way that we live throughout the day. Right. And there's a, there's a paradox there that seems fairly juicy when you talk about, you know, we're getting hits of dopamine, right? These, these pleasure juice yeah. re reward for doing the very thing that's making Arden unhappy. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there's, um, and we certainly see this, you know, in my work around food that, you know, pe or, you know, especially addictions to, you know, to different substances, people are miserable in general, yeah. but they're getting, they're getting enough pleasure in the moment to kind of drown mm. out the misery. Yeah. And I remember that when I was overweight myself, you know, um, where uh, and I think sometimes today I see somebody eating a like a juicy cheeseburger or I see them eating a funnel cake or something. I think, man, I want a funnel cake because I'm, uh, I'm like I'm on a fast or something. And then I think back to when I was 50 or 60 pounds heavier and I had those same habits of of drowning out um, what, what whatever I was feeling by, by eating too much. I realized I didn't really enjoy things as much as I do now because there there's less of a contrast between it, it, it's like it, it's like if you're like exceedingly like you're a billionaire where you just get adjusted to the life that you have and then the studies show that you become just as happy as everybody else but you don't learn this and you you think man this can't be true until you become a billionaire you can have all the food in the world <laughs> but not appreciate any of it if it, if that's what you eat all the time and so that that's something like if you want to make food taste better eat less of the stuff that makes you feel bad because the contrast alone will will make it so much more tasty and, and focus on it like for god's sakes but th this is something that i've realized on, on meditation retreat uh, a lot of the times is food never tastes as good as it does during a meditation retreat. I know. Where and, do they get those cooks? They're amazing, yeah, right? Yeah. They're, they're the most, when it's like some just like college kid who doesn't, <laughs> he's like making mac and, mac and cheese or something. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Like no, no meal will taste as good as the meal you focus on with 100% yeah. of your attention. Right. The, and this the, is the best meal I ever had was yeah. steamed zucchini after a seven day water fast. Oh, yes. Like, like, that sounds like, tasty. Oh, it's like fireworks. Yeah, be, because there's that beautiful contrast. And you actually notice it. You pay attention. You don't just scarf it down like the Thanksgiving leftovers. <laughs> right. So what, what, one, of the, one of the things I, t I made note of to bring into my work from your book was, and you were talking about it in terms of funnel cake in the book, this idea of second and third order consequences, which I, I yeah. love so much as a, as a habit. 
Can you talk about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, for sure. So th- there's always the first order consequences of everything that we do. It's the um, it, it, it's just the consequences of an action that we take or something that we say or, or, or something along those lines. And so in the book, I use the example of eating a funnel cake. And so, you know, a first order consequence of eating a funnel cake is that you enjoy the funnel cake. Um, but but when you look a bit deeper, there there are deeper consequences to everything we say, to everything we do, everything we think even, um, especially when we believe the thoughts that are flying through our head, even though so many of them are random. And, and eating a funnel cake, like a second order consequence of that might be that you break a new diet regimen that you just started. Um, a, a third order consequence of that might you know, take a bit longer to uh, materialize, but it might be that because you gave yourself permission to eat the funnel cake, then maybe more dopamine is coursing through your mind, and then you feel like um like the what the hell effect kick in and then you you eat, eat more and and you you kind of break down the habits of eating properly that you'd built up and i, I think this is something that we need to approach um everything with is that there's the bigger interconnected picture of every decision that we make and every action that we take. And, and our work is the exact same way, by the way. You know, take, for example, if you're deciding between doing a bit more email and uh, and mentoring a new employee that joins your team. So email feels very urgent, which makes it feel important, more important than it actually is. Um, And so we tend to it, and a first-order consequence of that is we relieve the stress. We have less email in our inbox. But when you look at the deeper consequences of us answering some email, usually there aren't any, unless we send a yes reply to marry someone. I don't know. Most people don't propose over email. No, that's that's done via Facebook message, I think. Yeah, Facebook message or text message is a bit more intimate, which is kind of nice. Or just FaceTime somebody, which is, you know, you've got to up the richness of the communications. But mentoring a new employee, you know, first order consequence of that is maybe the maybe they got off your case. They stopped asking too many questions. But a second order consequence of that might mean that the new people that just joined along with that person ask fewer questions, and your group becomes more productive overall. Um, A a third-order consequence of that, a deeper, something deeper, somebody might feel that connection with you. Somebody uh, might become your mentee. Somebody might uh, might, uh, stay at in your team for twice as long because you gave them the the time and the attention. And, And so what's more, what feels more urgent between our email and mentoring somebody new? Email obviously feels more urgent, but when you look at the deeper consequences of doing each of those things, mentoring a new employee, for every minute we spend mentoring a new new employee, that minute is worth 10 minutes of answering our email because there are those deeper consequences and because um, the, the connections run deeper than just what's immediately the result of something that we do. Right. And I think that's, you know, I think, you know, Stephen Covey, he came out with his four quadrants and the idea mm-hmm. of, you know, important versus urgent is often um, like we, we I think we if we take a moment and think about it, we might we would probably most of us come to this conclusion, mm-hmm. but not in the moment. Right. In the, in the no. moment we make we make decisions in the same way that we plan our diet and we have all these good intentions or we're going to go running. And then when it comes to that moment, 
it's it's not even like when when I am supremely unproductive for a day or a week or a month, it <laughs> it it just feels like like I just I just like get slotted into a groove and I'm just I'm just on a track and I'm not even making decisions. And, there's, yeah. and it, it feels like there's no there's no time or space to make decisions. And and I loved your mm. your graphics. Uh, you know that, that there's this basic graphic showing a a circle with a dotted you know defined by a dotted line that you call attentional space. And yeah. that, that explained a ton to me about me. So can you kind of go go over mm. what what that is and what it means? Yeah, for sure. That that moment by moment idea, it, it's so difficult. And I think it's kind of the missing link because anytime we step back from our work, we can see what's important, but it's in the moment that we actually act upon our goals. We we act towards um, saying no to a funnel cake and, and, you know, working a bit harder as opposed to, to playing hooky with, with our partner, whatever it might be. It's it's that moment by moment basis that's the most important part of our productivity. But yet our devices give us these notifications that because when they arrive in our environment, um, they're the most salient object of attention at which we could direct our, our focus, they feel more important than they actually are. So they're, and they're the, the rustle in the grass and exactly, the savannah. Exactly, yeah, where, where our attention is naturally drawn to them, but... Uh, but it's simply because of this wiring. Usually the fact that something is urgent means it's uh, less important <laughs> than, than what we truly ought to be doing. And, and I think the reason why this is so powerful is is there are only so many things that we can pay attention to in the moment. Our attentional capacity, um, which is defined by our, by our working memory capacity, which is how many things we can keep in our mind at one moment, is very, very limited. It's very constrained. It's usually constrained to about uh, two, three, four things, de depending on how distracted we are. We used to think the number was uh, seven or eight things in any moment, but now we're, we're realizing that it's much, much lower than that for most people. And because of this... We need to become deliberate about what we focus on because we only have so much uh, attention to process things in the moment. And, and the way that I visualize this, th this is actually one of the, the things that I'm most proud of in the book. If you have the physical book in front of you and you flip open to that, that like publisher information page, you'll see that I get the illustration credit for the book. It says illustrations by Chris Bailey and Sinisa Sumina because I designed all, all the ones in the book myself on a napkin and somebody took them and, and they they made them uh, suitable for, for a mass market uh, trade, mm. bu trade book. But um, th this is one of the things I'm most proud of is, you know, we can visualize what's on our mind by, by just the, the simple example. It's like a circle with a dotted line around it. And anything that we pay attention to in the moment passes through this attentional space. And by managing our attentional space better, which is anything that we're paying attention to in the moment, we manage our attention better, and then we get control over our attention. And then by doing this, the more control we have over our attention – the more we have control over our life because a moment of attention never exists in isolation. Um, and so because of this, if we're distracted in each moment, these moments build up, they accumulate day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year to create a life that feels 
like we don't have a direction, like we're distracted, like things are overwhelming. And the, the converse is true. If we make an active effort to pay attention to what's meaningful in the moment, what's more consequential in the moment, beyond just the immediate moment, what actually creates a lasting change, a lasting impact in our life and the lives of other people, then our life feels more impactful and, and productive and creative and, and meaningful as a result. You, you know, when we pay attention to conversations, when we pay attention uh, to projects, wh- whatever we're paying attention to, that becomes our, our reality. And, and so I think this is why deliberately paying attention to things is, is the superpower of the 21st century. B- because in any one moment of the day, either we have control and are driving what we focus on, or the environments around us uh, have control over our attention. And uh, I think the quality of our attention could be uh, attributed to how uh, much of our time we spend with purpose and deliberateness behind what we're doing. Yeah. And one of the bits of science you brought in that I loved um, was was this idea that different parts of our brain are actually engaged when we're doing sort of the short-term, you know, the multitasking. That's the basal ganglia, which is, mm-hmm. which is just doing short-term stuff. So naturally, yeah. in a year or a month or a decade or at the end of our lives when we're, you know, we have like our, our experiencing self and our remembering self, and mm-hmm. our remembering self doesn't remember because we did it all with our basal ganglia as opposed to when we're, yeah. when we're focusing, we're using more of our hippocampus, which is creating yeah. long-term memories. That was like really eye-opening for me. Yeah, yeah. We, we funnel experiences through a different part of our brain uh, when we're multitasking, when we're trying to do too much in the moment versus when we're focused on one thing. So, you know, we're, we're each focused on this conversation right now. And because of the, well, you've got the turkey going, but I think you're mostly focused. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you're, mo- you know, we're both mostly focused on, on this conversation. And because of that, we process this conversation through our hippocampus, which is the memory centers of our mind. But our basal ganglia, which are responsible for rote habits, this is where habits are stored in our mind. Um, We process what we're experiencing through our basal ganglia when we're multitasking, when we're doing too many things uh, in the moment, or even more than one thing in the moment, because we can't actively focus on more than one thing. Um, but so we just rapidly switch between them, and then kind of like a uh, like a movie where it's a bunch of uh, uh, frames stacked upon one another, which creates the the illusion of movement. Uh, that that's all multitasking is: is we switch rapidly back and forth so often um, that that we feel like we're doing two things at the same time when we're really we're compromising our our performance of both. But by the way, though, if you're multitasking with something that is a habit, that doesn't require much thought, that that doesn't like, you don't really care to remember, I'm under the category of people who will say that that's okay to multitask with. Um, And and I I know everybody doesn't agree, but I think when you start with the science and work backwards to to how you should do things, the science does agree with this. Uh, So say, for example, if you're listening to this podcast and you're doing some chores or or you're folding laundry, um, because one is physical 
and one is oral, um, A-U-R-A-L. Um, the, the, what that means is that you process the two experiences with a different part of your brain. You can do the, the laundry folding uh, largely on autopilot mode. You don't really need to, to devote much conscious attention to it because once you initiate uh, any habit consciously, your brain runs through the rest of the, the experience largely on autopilot mode. You don't need to think about it. And because of that, you can be listening to the podcast right now. Um, and, and I think this is something that we need to take to heart, is some things we don't really care about. Some things aren't meaningful. Doing chores, uh, doing the laundry, doing the dishes, I don't really care to remember these things. I think they, are, they can be meaningful experiences when, when, when you do them mindfully. But if you'd rather be pay, paying attention to a podcast, then that's fine, I, I think. But, um, but, but make sure that you don't try to do uh, more than one meaningful uh, thing in the moment, or more than one thing that requires you to focus on it to do it well, uh, because your performance will most definitely suffer in those cases. Right. And it's funny because when I was reading about that, one of the examples you gave of a sort of a mindless task that you can do other things while like listen to a podcast was shopping. And like, and I was thinking, oh, no, I could never... Like I'm always like looking at you know which <laughs> which uh, stock of broccoli and and, and, oh. and label reading like like I could I would just like wa- yeah. I, when I try to go shopping and I'm on a phone call I just sort of wander I try to find the aisles where nobody else is because <laughs> I know I can't I can't get out oh, of there. Man. I think that's uh, that that shows more about the quality of our diets than, than anything. Uh, no, I, I I feel I've been harsh on my diet. I, I eat pretty well. I, I eat pretty pretty cleanly, but. Um, you know, to me, broccoli is broccoli. I think I'm missing out on something there. Yeah. Well, when it's brown and slimy, it's probably, uh, you know, time, oh. t- time to leave that one and get a different stock. Oh, really? So, yeah. I didn't know that. Well, you you guys have the most amazing <laughs> greenhouses up there, right? You probably, you probably get fresh, oh, yeah. fresh stuff, uh, all, all year round with their, with your Yeah. Well, well, they're all. Yeah, with our newfangled Canadian technology, they're all growing cannabis now that it's legal. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the produce is always really good here. It's the most, you know, I think gratitude. This is like not related to anything that's related to this conversation. But I think gratitude is one of the most beautiful um, things in the world. Like it's kind of a gateway to happiness. Wait, I'll make the connection. Happier people, um, research shows, are 31 percent more focused and productive than other people because. Uh, uh, happiness um, actually increases uh, the size of our attentional space, which allows right. us to process there we go. more. Now, fi- finally, we have justification yeah. for being happy. Ooh, thank God, because <laughs> uh, I thought it was all for nothing, man. But uh, you know, gratitude is one of the most beautiful practices that that you can uh, think of. And the the reason this comes to mind is when Arden and I every night we recall a few things that we're grateful for, whether from that day or in each other in the world around us. And yesterday we were talking about you know being able. It's snowing right now outside my window, and being able to go to the store and get a pomegranate, which doesn't grow anywhere near. Uh, you know, Canada, as far as I'm as far as I'm aware, pretty bad at geography. But you can get all these things that aren't even from Canada across the street, and it's you can eat whatever the you know whatever healthy foods you want pretty much any time of the year. Like what a beautiful world that we live in. We have so much uh, to be grateful for around us, but that's not related yeah. to anything. Actually, it is. Yeah, it totally is. I mean, so gr- <laughs> gratitude might be. You know the ultimate use of our attention, 
you know, and you talk about like in, intention is the bouncer for attention. Yeah. Right. So if we're if we're if we're just on, you know, Instagram scrolling mindlessly watching cheesecakes appear mm-hmm. on, on Tasty <laughs> mm-hmm. versus, you know, because I like uh, let me just take a moment and look around my office with the word gratitude in my ear and I see it totally differently. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. I can look and see. Like there's, you know, behind me is a bookshelf of many of the, the books are by people that I've had the privilege to interview. And I'm like, oh, my God, how lucky am I yeah. to, to have these connections or looking at, my, at the camera that I can afford that, yeah. that allows me to do this stuff. Like all this stuff, like I was looking, I came into my office thinking, I'm going to do this podcast with Chris Bailey and my office is a shithole. <laughs> like, like, oh, man, I feel like such a fraud. And now I'm looking at it and I'm uh. seeing... My Martin guitar. Yeah. I'm seeing a really nice uh, running headlamp. Like, mm-hmm. like this, like just gratitude has transformed. It's like a, it's like the best Instagram filter ever for the, <laughs> for the photograph of my office. Yeah. And, and maybe this is the problem, but when you're on Instagram, you see, um, you see everything through the lens of not having what everybody else has. But when you look around you, those are things you have already. Those are things that are already in your life. Um, you know, I have this, uh, you know, my Turtle Edwards in the office here. Uh, I've got speakers, a soundproofed office, beautiful plants, a piano, kettlebells uh, up in here. And we have so much to be grateful for. We just need to notice it in the first place. And, you know, I talk about happiness actually quite a bit in the book because it's so vital to to invest in it as we invest in our in our productivity what well, one one simple way um to to kind of pat yourself on the back um one of my favorite ways is keeping an accomplishments list and so throughout the week uh, maybe at the end of each day you write down one or two things what you accomplished that day and they don't have to be massive they don't have to be oh i wrote 10,000 words and i uh, did a great interview with uh, with somebody. They, they could be as simple as oh, I, I made uh, I, I opened the door uh, for for that person that that was uh, that and that made them feel happy because you know it's it's about somebody else then too and, and you know just this simple list it, it reminds us to pat ourselves on the back. Um, it, it was funny one one um, study that I encountered in writing the book that found that at any moment of the day our mind is wandering away from what we truly want to be doing about forty seven percent of the day um, of the time they looked at the activities that have been shown to make us the happiest um, and so th- this study it th- it was a happiness study that surveyed about two hundred fifty thousand people f- uh, or two hundred fifty thousand responses from thousands of people. And what they did is they pinged them on their phone at random times, and they asked, in this moment, what are you doing? Are you focusing on it? And how happy are you? Uh, And they found the five activities that make us the happiest. Number five was listening to music. Uh, Number four was playing. Number three was talking and, and investing in our relationships. Number two is exercise. And number one, I don't know why people were responding on their phone when they were doing this but number one was making love and maybe while listening to music and investing in in their relationships and it's exercise too so i guess you kind of and it's play so i guess you tick every box at once maybe that's why 
why it's such a nice uh, right. all of these things kind of build up to that that crescendo there right and if you um, and, and if and if it includes like you know like you know cocoa pow- you know cocoa and cocaine yeah yeah no like, like maybe. you know eating sushi off of someone's belly button like you can get the food oh, in there yeah. too yeah you can get the food aspect yeah you who, can eat a funnel who, cake off of somebody's <laughs> who answers their phone at that moment i don't know maybe they wait I, I don't few minutes yeah maybe yeah maybe they waited you know 30 seconds in my case no i'm just kidding but 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 the idea is that you know whatever we're doing any one of these these things we're focused on what we're doing it's focusing on things that make us the happiest but more than that doing anything deliberately that makes us the happiest and um a part of that is just noticing the things that we have to be grateful for i think yeah so what, one yeah. thing that I um, was taken by is you talk about you have you have this the, the book is called Hyperfocus. We actually haven't mentioned oh, the, yeah. na- the name of the book yet. But I guess we have. The, the, I'm terrible at plugging my stuff, so thank you for mentioning. <laughs> yeah, but 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 that massage therapist though. You, you, yeah, um, we've doubled her business <laughs> overnight. Yeah. Um, but you say that hyperfocus, which is this you know intentional um, focus on. Uh, and I love you know to to go nesting layers here. Your definition of productivity is doing what we intend to do. This is w- when we're in that hyper focus mode. We are relaxed, happy, super productive. Whereas I realized I I kind of had this image of myself as like being really productive, like kind of this you know <laughs> hamster on a wheel or bunny rabbit or like I'm like you know, like I like I just wanted space invaders. When, mm-hmm. when in fact, you're absolutely right that my most productive times have felt delicious and expansive. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think a lot of us need a book to te- tell us this. Is um, If you think back, we all have enough data at our disposal. When you think back to when you uh, accomplished a crazy amount in one day, you probably weren't tending to a lot of distractions. You were probably working on one thing and, and chugging away at it with um, w- with a, a deliberate level of attention. It, it doesn't – and this is something that I think we miss out on is it doesn't matter how intense our attention is as long as it is directed constantly at one thing. Um, and we, we can work in slow motion, uh, but as long as we're working on something that's actually important – um, we're going to accomplish more, and especially more of what we intend to do, um, and we're going to become more productive as a result of that. And, and uh, you know, hyperfocus is honestly the best name that I could come up with for for this topic. And, and but it has that um, consequence of making the the mode seem more intense um, than than it has to be. And honestly, the red covered of the book doesn't help that much but don't tell my publisher i said that um but but it's really just about this mindfulness this deliberate attention that that we have to uh, bring to whatever we happen to be doing in the moment um and i'm a big fan of writing slowly uh you know i write more words when i write slowly as when i really really try to hunker down and focus on one thing and set a timer for 30 minutes i find instead if i'm writing for 60 minutes i actually do write more than twice the amount of words given it's it's double the amount of time because we're able what we lose in speed 
we make up for in how much deliberate, more deliberately we manage our attention. And that's everything right now, especially when we have all these distractions coming in. If we can work in a slower way, but maintain our focus and our, and our drive toward doing one thing, it doesn't matter that we work a bit more slowly because we're also able to work with greater intention. Right. Well, I think, you know, I, I do a, a lot of gardening in, in, in nice weather, and that involves like pointing water sources at ground. And yeah. there's a big difference if I have, you know, if I'm just watering one bed, one mm. one part of the bed with a hose, I, the water doesn't have to come out very fast to soak it. Whereas if it's the sprinkler that's just going back and forth, it could take hours. Mm. You know, the, the, there are people <laughs> that, that see gardening as a chore, too, but... Um, you know any meaning any experience and i think this is um this is true with our attention you know love for example in my eyes is no different than sharing quality attention with somebody in addition to quality time we we often share time with one another without sharing attention and when we share that attention with experiences like gardening you know the, people see gardening a lot of different ways there are some people who see it as a as a chore they have to do after a busy day at the office and then there are some people who get home from the office and gardening is the most relaxing part of their day. You know, they get to bring something to, to life by showering it with water and by pruning the branches. And it's the same experience, but we just relate to it very, very differently. And, and I think, you know, we so often rush through uh, experiences to get to something on the other side, um, and then we end up rushing through that. We we rush through work to get um, to go home and do the chores, and we rush through those instead of savoring the work that we do, instead of savoring the chores that we have to do, and and feeling grateful for the fact that we're doing them, for the fact that we have you know a nice camera in the office, that that we have a garden to attend to, to in the first place. Right, and and to me, the the, the starting point of, of gratitude, which is a feeling of like enoughness or abundance, mm. it it has to start with attention. Like yeah. there are days where I'm surrounded by nice stuff, and I feel mm -hmm. like my attentional space is overflowing with too many things to do. Like that, that to me is like ground yeah. zero of ungratitude. Of yeah, of well, like, well, you can't you, you can't be grateful for what you don't notice. And you you can't notice something without paying attention to it. Yeah, uh, like and, and the feeling of, of overwhelm of constant yeah. distraction is itself. It, it's just it just feels like like there's a you know the, the the song going on in my head is basically you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough. If you were enough, you could handle all this. Yeah, you need to listen to Vienna by Billy Joel. You need to get that song in your head. <laughs> oh, Vienna Slow waits down, for you. you, crazy child. Yeah, Vienna always waits. Vienna's right now. Whatever we're doing, um, we we just need to see it. Hmm. My wife had a dachshund named Vienna when she was a kid. Oh man, I think if there's any uh, any one song um that that has to do with productivity it's vienna by billy joel mm. or uh, or you you can't hurry love mm oh who's that by is that billy joel no it's not um is it diana ross and the supreme someone someone's going to write in if i'm wrong yeah you don't can't be wrong hurry about love bill collins man it's phil collins diana ross or the supremes maybe you're thinking of the supremes i see here i i yeah. play you a but then this will get flagged for copyright violation. Yeah, if I, well, if I sing it, no one will have, no one will have that problem. 
Nobody would also recognize the song either, so they have that problem. <laughs> anyway, so here, here's what, here's what I was thinking we could we could do, and I, I don't want to say like I I'm looking through all the notes I took on the book, and so for people who are listening to this thinking I got it, believe me, you don't got it. Like there are so many beautiful little exercises and suggestions and and tips and tricks. Like this is a really really rich. Dive. So, I mean, anyone what, who, what percent of uh, of the book would you say we got to in the notes? Just out of curiosity, um, seven. Oh, okay. I think we co- I think we, we covered some top line stuff, but mm-hmm. we haven't really got. But what I'd love to do is I'm look I'm looking at my window at a, my a new office shed being built, and basically I I had this built for a couple of reasons. One is. Um, I have adult children who are sort of semi living at home a lot of the time, and like this because this 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 is a bedroom. Like there's a lot of ill feeling. Like one of my ch- <laughs> children's basically living in a closet. Yeah. Um, another is I do a lot of podcasting. Like Harry Potter. Yeah, but yeah, there's but not it, it's yeah. a ranch house. There's not even stairs. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, it turns it turns out that actually living in a closet is not as much fun. As being Harry Potter, no. Well, I don't think Harry Potter enjoyed his time under the <laughs> under the in, under the stairs, but yeah. yeah but, it, but it made him who he was. It did, yeah. And you have to be grateful for your your experiences that are transformative, don't you? <laughs> the other problem is it's right next to the bathroom. People like you know vacuum, and I'm whenever I'm podcasting, I'm like shh 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 shh, and and also like really the thing is. Like this is the this is where the my attention goes to die when I'm mm. like I'm not working. It's like seven o'clock at night. I'll still find myself in here checking email, going on Slack, doing little things. And it and so I thought, yeah, get it out of the yeah. house. And then I thought, okay, twelve by twelve, like slightly bigger than this room, and I'm gonna have all my stuff. And then I read your <laughs> book and I'm like, I don't wanna do that. Mm. I kinda wish it was half the size. Like I hadn't like I kind of wish it was a place mm. where I could create a temple to hyperfocus, and I'm wondering mm. if you can help me think that through. Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I think the key in the environment around you is to have nothing that would consume your full attention if you focus on it, and, and more than that, nothing that calls out for your attention um, should you focus on it. So in my office here. My phone isn't here. My tablet isn't here. Um, my tablet I use as a distractions device. And so um, I, I do all my email on that uh, unless I have to send some, some attachments, which is difficult to do on the iPad, but I'm getting better at it. And, and so I, I would say that would be the one thing is be very, very thoughtful about the devices you have in in there. But besides that, Get get some good speakers in there. Uh, I would say, in case you want to uh, to to listen to some classical music, you know, some some beautiful classical music. Everybody finds music uh, impacts their their productivity and their focus different uh, differently. It, it depends on how familiar the music sounds to you, um, and, and how simple. It is so music that's simple and familiar. I listen to classical music or, or you know, depressing Ed Sheeran songs on repeat one for most of the day. But that can help. Um, having a, a convertible desk will help to kind of get you moving a little bit. 
um, having a meditation cushion. It's one of my favorite things. If I need a break throughout the day, my meditation cushion, I'm touching it with my foot right now. Um, ha- have some plants, some noise-canceling headphones in case there's too much noise around you. Um, and uh, be, be very, very thoughtful about the environment that, that you're in because it matters uh, so, so much. What, 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 what have you decided to do differently because, because of the book? Well, so one thing is I have, uh, I have a book problem, right? So as a podcaster, I get uh, either buy or, or get five to ten books a month. And I mm-hmm. love them all. And, <laughs> and this is the, I'm not the Library of Congress. I, like, I have, no. I, I've, I've bought additional bookshelves that, so that, like, they're like metastasizing around my walls. Yeah. And like, so that's one thing that I'm concerned about is that, you know, mm-hmm. I've got books here that I will probably never crack open again. Um, and it's just, it's just yeah. like a lot of visual stimulus. The, another thing that I'm worried about is um, my phone. So like, I need to, I need to be, to talk to people sometimes. So like, do I do that solely by Skype? Um, like one of the things I like about the phone is I get to walk mm-hmm. around. So like I'm not tethered to the little the little headphone on my on my yeah. computer. Yeah, um, I see. I saw before we we cut off the video. You have like look, looks like ear ear pods, <laughs> so you can you're you're not tied wired to your computer. Yeah, I, I've got some AirPods going on here. Um, but but what helps with the fo- I, I think get the phone out of there because it's a personalized world of distraction and and Skype. Skype isn't that distracting. It's kind of you know single singular in its purpose. Um, for for dealing with the phone throughout the day, uh, KSafe. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's a it's a time locking container, and it, it's designed yeah. for it's designed for food. And so if you're like really resisting a chocolate bar or something, or or you want to put the TV remote away for, or a video game controller away for a little bit, you can lock it in the safe, and in the safe, you you, you put a, the time that you want it to unlock at. And so you can lock something away for six hours, whether it's a, I, whether it's a device or something like that. I feel like um, I would turn into one of the the monkeys at the beginning of 2001 if I had a device in that in that <laughs> safe. I would just be like... Bouncing all over it, trying to figure out how to. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, poking it with it safety me. pins and. Oh man, yeah, it's like, it's like a new age marshmallow test. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 this is something that that would be helpful if you find that you want to have the phone nearby, uh, but uh, you don't want a personalized world. Of this. But I, I would recommend doing Skype. That, that's how I do all my phone calls because our, our phone. It presents us with cues. It's not the problem, you know, we, that we go into an app for for two minutes and you know we feel, oh, I want to check Instagram for a little bit. And if we had that intention, we check Instagram for a bit, then we were able to go back really, really quickly to what we were doing before. Frankly, it wouldn't be that big of a problem. The problem is that. We go to Instagram for a few minutes, but then we go for a few minutes more. And then we go to, to this loop of apps, that often the one that we visit first thing in the morning, um, that, that is this personalized world of, of distraction. And th- the, the best solution is to not encounter that situation in the first place. Um, set up some screen time features on your phone. If you, here's, here's a nice compromise. Mo- most phones have a grayscale mode, uh, G-R-A-Y-S-C-A-L-E. What, what this does, it's, it's the, 
most least known feature of most phones, but yet I find that this feature uh, cuts the amount of time I spend on my phone in half while not changing any of the functionality. Right. And it's usually a, a setting that's buried in the accessibility panel of your phone. Yeah, but I, wish, I, does, I wish they could do that with like M&Ms. People would find it much yeah. easier. <laughs> That would be amazing. Yeah, the M&Ms would be so boring. But but the feature uh, turns your phone screen black and white. And, and so there's no color. And so there isn't that color psychology, which is uh, hooking your attention. And, and Instagram and other apps become far less stimulating when they're in black and white. And so maybe that's a good middle ground for, for the... Okay, for- great. So the, so the phone, I think we can handle... Um, mm-hmm. the same, the other thing, like I, I was, you have an exercise that you, you asked us to do at the beginning with your four quadrants about productive and unproductive on the, on the yeah. left and unattractive and attractive over the top. And mm-hmm. the, like the thing that I got most confused about was email. And you're right that we, <laughs> we don't spend a lot of time doing email, but we spend a lot of time sort of in email. Like I was yeah. thinking maybe I don't even want internet in my office. Maybe mm-hmm. I just want a writer's cave. But then I'm like, oh, wait, I podcast. Like the whole point, yeah. one of the whole points was to get me out of the house so people don't have to walk on eggshells when I'm podcasting. So I want an internet connection, but I don't <laughs> want my internet connection. Like I, I do all my best work at coffee shops and trains and airplanes and yeah. and power outages. <laughs> <laughs> so Something that I do with... Um with food here, because uh, I have a very difficult time resisting food, especially chips. If there's a bag of chips in the house, uh, I can't stop thinking about it until the bag is gone. And so what I do is I give the bag to Arden, and whenever I want a little bit, I'll ask Arden, can I have a bowl of chips? And she'll run downstairs wherever she hides the bags of chips, and uh, she'll get me a bowl. And so if I want another bowl of chips, she'll say, no, <laughs> you've already had a bowl, or or I have to like come crawling back to her, and and I feel all <laughs> self conscious and everything. And maybe a similar thing would be possible with the internet, where there there's some parental control feature of a router where you ask, you know, honey, can I, you know, I need to do a podcast. You mind where you have to come crawling back to her each time? Maybe that's a way to get some uh, some limits, but also some accountability with that. Hmm. I mean, I was I was looking at some of the apps you recommend. I guess one, the first mm-hmm. one was like freedom.io. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to how to use that. Part mm-hmm. of part of me, you know, understands how weak my will is compared to all the distractions, and part of me is insulted that I would need a K-safe or a grayscale <laughs> or an app that turns off uh, yeah. the apps and and websites. Like, am I am I fooling myself? I think you need to enable the app, but the, you know, and this is this is something that that I've realized myself is that we we like to think that we're stronger than we are, um, but in the moment we're not as strong as we believe ourselves to be um, previously, <laughs> and so in the moment, you know, um, deciding between. Um, you know, trying to get a six pack by the summertime and uh, and get a job promotion too. In the moment, we want nothing more than to order takeout and play hooky. 
Uh, and so there's this mismatch between what's good for us in the short term um, a, a, or, or what's, what we want, to, want in the immediate term and what's actually good for us in the medium to long term. Uh, and so I, I think we need to make things easy on ourselves wherever possible. There, there's a point in writing the book, and I write about this, um, in the book where – I need to enable a distractions blocker whenever I write. Uh, I enable an app either freedom or uh, self-control where you have to actually restart your computer if you want access to the um, to, to the websites that are your problem points. Like if you want to access the news, you have to physically restart your computer if you want to access it. <laughs> and um, and what this does, it, you know, when over the course of one writing session, I, I just thought, okay, today as an experiment, I'm not going to limit the distractions that I face. And I found myself going to the the same old same old well, i'll just check the news for a little bit i'll, I'll just uh check uh email ju- just once and then go back but but the cost of doing so in the moment when we, we not giving ourselves to, the option to do that is usually the best course of action um because uh, you know we all fall into these same pitfalls because we're wired to crave uh different things that are good for us in the moment Right. I guess one of the things that I'm realizing as we're talking is, like, I have done zero kind of deep work in Mm. the past couple of weeks in terms of, like, not having any distractions. If I do, like, 90 minutes a day, which doesn't feel like it's a huge change in my whole life, if I just, like, set up these, um, you know, anti-distraction technologies for 90 minutes a day— Mm-hmm. That's you know, there's a probably a huge eighty twenty win. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and you know when you do that because if you don't want to feel trapped, this is a tactic that works well for me. Is to give yourself a choice: um, either write or do nothing. <laughs> so huh. you can choose to do nothing, but it's a choice, and you don't have to write. You can do nothing instead, but you must sit there. You must be in that cave uh, with, with the internet access shut off. And uh, and in that situation, you usually find once because the resistance we have to doing certain tasks is usually stacked towards the beginning of that task, and so it takes us, you know, it takes us a month to build up the the courage to clean out the basement closet. But once we do it for just two minutes, we can keep going for another month, hmm. uh, just you know, cleaning that thing out. That it's was always stacked towards the beginning. That was the most helpful image in the book for me was mm. the, uh, the sort of the noise graph of resistance and how after about two minutes, 40 seconds or two minutes, it's gone. Yeah. And, and this is uh, I don't have research to back this up. Um, but when you overlay, th- this is my prognostication, that when you overlay these two ideas, uh, first of all, that we're distracted every 40 seconds, and second of all, that the resistance we have to doing something is is stacked towards the beginning, you stack these things on top of one another, and perhaps this is that problem in action, uh, where we feel resistance to doing something. So this is why we distract ourselves every 40 seconds. Then maybe the guilt sets in or, or the opposite effect sets in where we feel bad about not doing something else. So we get another hit of dopamine. We cave into the novelty bias and then we, and then we do something else that isn't work. But it, it's, um, yeah, I find it a really helpful idea to, to think about that resistance. But I love the idea of doing nothing. As <laughs> as the alternative, so now the the writing becomes the novelty. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the most novel thing at which you can direct your attention in the moment. Right, because you, you have this wonderful study about, I guess, 71% of men would prefer to, to self-administer a painful <laughs> shock than sit yeah. with their own thoughts. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and it, this isn't to say that mind-wandering is a bad thing, because this is often when our best ideas come to us, but... But it, it's so uh, critical to realize that we can use the, the repellent uh, effect of that for, for something productive, too. Right. And, well, and half of the book is about what you call scatter focus, yeah. which is so about, I, about I, creativity so it, as opposed to productivity. I just have to, just have to interrupt you because I have a heart out a few minutes ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Sorry about that. That's all right. There, there, there you are um, modeling what you preach about uh, attention <laughs> and intention. So sorry, but I would have we was scheduled longer time, but I have another call like right now. Okay, well let's. Um, yeah. The bo- sorry about that. The the book is is hyper focused. Where can people find you quickly? <laughs> oh man, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I always feel rude cutting stuff, but but anyway, the the book is called Hyper Focus: How to Be More Productive in a World of Distraction, and uh, it's also as an audio book. If you like the sound of my voice. Um, it, it's as an audio book. If you don't like the sound of my voice, um, there's the physical book with all the beautiful illustrations. And uh, the, my website is called alifeofproductivity.com, where, where I write a semi-weekly column. Awesome. Well, well you and I, I hope we'll, we'll continue uh, our conversations. Uh, yeah. go, go, go be uh, punctual right now. And Chris Bailey, <laughs> thank you so much for this wonderful chat and uh, for all the work that- you do. Thank you so much for having me, man. That was, let, let me know when you get the new, uh, I'm going to call it your man cave, but when you get mm-hmm. the new man cave hooked up and ready to go, if you, if you do decide to record podcasts out of it, we'll have to chat again. Will do. Look forward to it. <laughs> man. Have fun. Thanks. Bye-bye. See you, man. All right. I hope you found that conversation with Chris Bailey as fun and interesting and useful, above all, useful as I did. Um, hopefully you'll take away some gems from this conversation that you can use right away. Maybe jot down a couple of things that you plan to start implementing, but definitely get the book. There's so much in there that we didn't cover the the nitty gritty uh, details of how to live a purposeful and focused and productive life. Um, highly, highly recommend it. So to watch the, uh, the YouTube video or to get links to Chris's books or his appearances on the Bregman Leadership Podcast, you can head over to the show notes at plantyourself.com slash 301. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 300 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. If you would like to help the show, one way to do it is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. A review is the easiest and most powerful way to let other people know about the show so that we can continue to grow our audience and continue to spread this message. If you'd like to throw some cash our way to help support the mission of this show, you might be noticing that this is a different microphone. So this was a big expenditure this week. It's in preparation partly for Josh coming up and us recording the audiobook, but also uh, I got a better boom arm so the thing isn't just swinging into my face all the time and a, um, a better microphone. Now that I'm going to be moving into a, a dedicated office space, I have more control over ambient sound, so decided to upgrade. And uh, all that costs money, as does the time it takes me every week to find guests, prepare, read their books, interview them, create the show notes, 
promote, do all the stuff that gets done to make a podcast successful. And if you would like to be my partner in that and helping that go out to the world, I would really appreciate it. You can go over to plantyourself.com and look on the right sidebar, click the Patreon link, and then you can become a patron of the show with an ongoing monthly contribution. All right. So in running news, did a pretty good six miles this morning. It was really cold when I started, but uh, by the end, I had to remove the heavy winter gloves and uh, wish I was wearing one fewer layer on top. So it feels good. Jo As I said, Josh is coming tomorrow, so I'm sure he's going to uh, put me through my paces uh, for the next three mornings. Um, in garden news, all we've been doing is going out during the day and uncovering the kale and mustard greens and the and collards. And then at night in preparation for the frost, covering them up again. So probably more calories going into keeping the beds alive than in the calories we're getting from them, but still can't beat greens for nutrients. We're getting uh, our, our garden greens are, are making our smoothies these days. And now time for thanks. Thanks, of course, to Will Ridenauer for his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. As this show's theme music, check out willridenauer.com for more of his beautiful Kara music. And... Thanks to the people who are already supporting this show. Your names always bring a smile to my face. And here we go. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Havilly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Vizek, Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Felton, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Sue Dolmick, Sarah Durkis, Run the Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gila, Sarah David, Donnie Hubler, Cyber, Dorona, Viso, Joe, and Carol, Chintati, Jody Friesen, Ruth Ann Bunder, Misha Rose, Michael Warbeck, Ethan Lee, Steer, Stacey Z. Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lindemann, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the Inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovac, Adam Sharp, Karen Burley, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynchaplan, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Shell Rudler, Julia Rockins, Reed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Yorls, and Dayat, Julie Lang, Homa Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Adida Lael, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Cheryl Lakoski, Plan Power for House, Garrett Smith, Scott Mirani, Karen Joe Crabby, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell. Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Josh Oshford, Summer Meyer, Dennis Burr, Darby Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Iconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Card, Deanne Bishop, Billbury Elf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Teresha Adams, and Ian Kramer for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mauro, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hadley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barnes, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gila Serret, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck.
The equally mysterious Tracy Z of Evil L, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harperson, Martha Bergner, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, The Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon, Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Colm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski, a plant powered for health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tritanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Lehman. Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Cartson, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>